0: Esteban's out here collecting penalties like Infinity Stones.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Well, we are so excited. We have the tech guru herself, Molly, or as you may know her at a bunch of red flags on TikTok and social media. Molly, welcome. We're so excited to have you.
0: Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here with both of you two. And you're too kind.
2: (laughs) Thank (laughs) you, goodness. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, I just thought, no, you are first ever reappearing guest on the show. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's, I feel honored. Oh, my
1: gosh.
2: (laughs) Just make it like the Molly text segment, like every couple. You know how many people want me for that? So, (laughs) you
0: should feel honored that I am the first (laughs) one to come back. And you have like an exclusive (laughs)
2: Molly race breakdown with the tech girl you got to start you got to start charging you got to start charging. (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we are excited to have you because I feel like obviously Matt and I we are not engineers you are and for those of you that don't know Molly she's a fantastic engineer and her your mission is to help explain engineering and specifically to motorsports so it's better understandable for for everyone right
0: yeah, that's the goal. I kind of made my page to stop annoying my friends with all of my talk about racing because I didn't have a lot of friends that are in racing. I've become even more insufferable, but then realized that <laughs> nobody was talking about the tech side and nobody was really demystifying and trying to bring the barrier of entry down on the tech side because it's heavily gate kept and people are kind of nasty when you ask questions. And I was like, you know what? I'm already explaining race cars to all of my like friends or people that I do know that ask me questions about race cars. So why don't I just document the conversations I'm already having and answering the questions I'm already having in a recorded way and put them out there and now it's it's kind of become a thing and I still don't know how it has, but here I am.
2: We love it. We love that it's a thing and we love that you're the person doing it. Um, you do a great job and I learned yeah. so much from watching all your content, yeah. so I'm sure I'm going <laughs> to learn tons more today. So fingers crossed. Yeah, no, I'm sure I will. But the race today obviously first race of the season what did you what did you think of the overall race
0: oh my gosh that was for as underwhelming as quali was the race was wild i was like so i was looking at the gaps at one point though too between the field because the field spread was really wide between all the cars i was like oh this is just this is going to be a snooze fest like i don't know what i'm doing and then it started to kick back up with the pack packing back up and the strategy kicked in. And I actually thought it was a great race at the end of the day. The attrition was happening too along the way. And so I think it kind of made for a very exciting first race and a really good look at, um, kind of what the teams have in their hand for their cars. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a good race. Like you said, I, I feel like toward the middle is a little bit of a, like, okay, everyone's settling down. Nothing much is happening. Yeah, There's always a lull. I feel like in races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a mm-hmm. nap. You gotta fit in a nap.
1: Like,
2: <laughs> I can't get up this early and not like, gain a little sleep sometimes.
0: There is a picture of me somewhere at a NASCAR race with my scanner headset on, listening to the race, and I'm asleep like this in the <laughs> stands in the middle of a race, like just out.
2: <laughs> dedication. That is what dedication yeah. looks like, people. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was a good race overall did you have I know we and everybody I feel like after testing and seeing qualifying everyone has their expectations or who they think is going to land where did you have any kind of expectations out of the the normal like red Bull's about to dominate everything
0: yeah I think it fell about where I expected it to and where kind of I think a lot of the tech community had expected it to as we were kind of extrapolating data and looking at designs I think we kind of figured out that it was going to be Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and and likely Aston based on what we were seeing and the phenomenal job that they were doing Um, that seemed like they were going to be in the mix. It was going to be how big of a spread, though, you know? We're like, how far ahead is everybody? Or how far ahead is Red Bull? How far ahead is Mercedes? Who's kind of at the back of that pack? And then what's the rest of the midfield look like? And I still, honestly, I don't know if we know what the rest of the midfield looks like yet with best of the rest. It's still yeah. kind of... Very, I would say very tight and very up in the air with a quality that was a one-second spread from first or point one. Yeah, it was one second, one second spread from first to twentieth at the end of Q1 when it was over two seconds the year before. So it's hard to make out the midfield, but I think from a tech standpoint, we kind of figured that top four would be about what it was. I still, Mm -hmm. I still don't know what to make of the rest of the field, though.
1: I thought the same thing because everyone was saying Williams was going to be kind of at the bottom. Yeah, uh, when they gave their rankings and, and they finished tenth and twelfth, like you know they mm-hmm. looked pretty good. I I was kind of shocked at that, and and then Haas was really underwhelming, um, at race pace. Like I, it's it is interesting to see how tight things are.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's Williams was kind of an enigma to me because like they had a decent car at times last year. It was great straight line speed, but like the rest of the time, not that great. And we know Mercedes power units are very powerful. So they had good power kind of under the hood, but they their car wasn't necessarily the most aerodynamically efficient. Mm -hmm. So they showed some like encouraging things during testing, but I was like, I don't know if I trust this from sandbagging and everything else that's going on because teams will limit how they show their hand in testing with um, modes or maps with like what they show their fuel loads, certain tire strategies, all that good stuff. So I was like, I don't know if I trust that level my expectations here laugh about their orange flow is looking like it's dipped in cheese
1: <laughs> and see what
0: shows up race weekend. So they were a pleasant surprise. They actually looked quite good compared to what I kind of expected. Um I think McLaren, I still don't know what to make of McLaren. They looked oh. rough in texting and they had a very rough race, unfortunately from a technical standpoint, like nobody nobody come yell at me for that. It was it was a rough race. Um Haas, same thing. I mean, there was a Haas with a fastest lap, though. So we know Ferrari Power is here and yeah, here to play. Yeah. And um Valtteri was, what, P6? Valtteri had a great Sixth race.
2: Seven, right?
0: Sixth. Yeah, 6 or 7. He yeah, eight so eight. I, th- I think that we're seeing encouraging signs out of, like, the power unit manufacturers and some of the car designs for sure. I think it's really going to come down to how well do they keep that momentum going, though, because we know there's teams like Alpine who historically have a really crappy start to their season. And then they have a really good rest of the season. It takes three, four races for them to really get the swing of things. And they have a good development pipeline and go. And then there's teams like Haas who can come out of the gate really, really fast or really well. Same with like alpha. Sometimes come out of the gate looking great. And then they maybe struggle to iterate. They don't have the strongest design or development pipeline. And then they kind of taper off as the season goes with reliability or different issues because they don't, necessarily iterate well or don't have the strongest kind of momentum keeping in their team if that makes sense so
2: yeah definitely i mean you mentioned mclaren so let's just start at the biggest disappointment of today's race <laughs> um, yikes like that was painful for me to watch one because obviously oscar Piastri had his debut race with mclaren today mm-hmm. and had DNF due to um electrical issues and yep. issues i believe as well and then we yep. see Lando norris struggling the entire race um with something that i was very confused about and this is why i'm glad you're here can yeah. you <laughs> saw a lot of he made several pit stops more than he needed to not only yes. were they switching tires on pit stops but they seemed to be filling up air can you explain like what the heck is going on there
0: so this took some digging around too, because I while I am an engineer who works on powertrains, I don't work on engines. so engines aren't necessarily my strongest like technology knowledge base. I, I know a lot, but not necessarily the fine fine details. Um, they were filling up the pneumatic air system that's typically nitrogen in the car. This, like I said, took some Googling. And so I actually didn't know this. I should have known this and feel really dumb for not. But I learned something new every day. Um, These cylinders that are used or well, the springs that are used in the cylinders of the engine are pneumatically activated. So in order to open and close the valves that are part of the combustion cycle that allow the cylinders to be sealed to go ahead and do the bang part of a uh, combustion cycle are pneumatically activated. And so you need that air to be able to do that and that's what was leaking so you kind of need your cylinders to move in order to have power to go so yeah. it's, it's very important um so they were refilling the pneumatic air system for his engine
2: yikes that yeah just sounds not good <laughs> like, no. <laughs> in your opinion as an engineer and I know you said you're not like is super well versed in, in this type of, of system here. But can that cause any damage if you continue to race like that? Or is it just a matter of managing the issue and keeping that air in there?
0: It could. You could, if you let it get your air pressure get too low, you could obviously seize your cylinders because your cylinders won't be able to be activated and that's not great. You can scrape up cylinder walls. Those are really tightly controlled, um, finely designed. So there's teeny tiny clearances and I describe the way that engines are transported to a lot of people is they're pretty much seized when they're out of a car until you get oil in them and you get them in a car, you get air in the system, you get everything kind of assembled. The engines are pretty much seized. So if you yes. seize one up and you drop a cylinder, um, if it's just one, if your air pressure gets low enough, you lose multiple cylinders. It's, it's a huge power loss and then you risk actually damaging your heads, damaging different pieces within the engine, your pistons, you can throw a rod somewhere. So it's it's not great to seize up a cylinder.
2: Yeah, and I mean he finished last out of the couple of DNFs we had. In your opinion, if you were sitting on that pit wall as an engineer, would you would you have called it? Would you have said bring it bring her in? It's not worth it.
0: I see both sides of this and I Part of me in my risk-averse thinking would say, I want to preserve the engine. I want to preserve the components, bring them in. The other part of me, the racing side brain says, we need the better points. We need to cross the line. That's kind of the mentality there is, I don't care. I have to cross the line. I want the best possible result. I need the best possible points. I don't care what it takes. I we'll find a workaround to make it happen. And that's what they did. And so if that meant longer pit stops, that meant having to refill the air system, but it got us over the line at the end of the day in whatever position that was, that's what I'm going to do. And so I am on McLaren's side at that point, had there been any sort of signal that it was terminal or maybe more severe, or maybe a safety issue, maybe I would have considered calling it at that point personally. But if there was a workaround that got me across the line, I would have kept going.
2: Interesting. Cause as a fan, I'm sitting there and listening to radio too. And I'm like, Oh my God, just, just yeah, end it. end it. Just put him out of his misery and end mine.
0: <laughs> it's important to think about this too, though, that they only ran 81 laps in testing when everybody ran That's two, true. three times that mm-hmm. because of issues. And so at that point, you also are collecting real-time data on your car and there's nothing that compares to real on-track data from a car. And it's expensive to do that with hardware testing. They're severely limited on the time they're about to do it. So if it's an opportunity to collect data and yeah, it isn't a race and yeah, I'm going to finish class, but I'm able to preserve my car, keep running, get us across the line and get more data. It's a win-win situation, although I'm not winning a race.
1: That's what I thought too. I was wondering because they had so little te- like yep. you know, laps completed during testing, if they were just like, hey, we need this data, it's yes. worth keep, you know pitting him five times to to fill up the, you know, mm-hmm. the air. The air
0: and all of that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah
0: and, and understanding how your models correlate to your car that you've designed that then correlate to on-track behavior is really, really important. So they can collect that data and then feed that back in their feedback loops and say, okay, we correlated very well here. Maybe we didn't correlate well here. They can improve the models or they can take what they've learned in all those data sets and plug them back into the models and help them continue to iterate and the best possible cars and setups based on the behaviors that they understood and recorded.
2: Yeah, and I know um, at the, during testing, Zach Brown was very open and basically saying, yeah, we got this wrong, <laughs> we, yeah. we got this totally wrong. We're going back to the drawing board. And he did mention they're basically gonna bring almost an entirely new car or like pieces to this car in the mm-hmm. next coming weeks. So let's cross our fingers and hope that they get this worked out and that these upgrades come and and the new this basically all new McLaren shows up and it's a much better story for these two yeah but my
0: expert my expectations were low when Andrea Stella their new um, team principal at the launch goes well we have this known deficiency and known weakness and known issue with the car we're working to address the issue we know what it is and we're going to address it it's going to take a few races to address it and I was like all right I'm just going to lower those expectations right now because McLaren notably has a very weak front end aerodynamically. They also struggled with traction last year and they had brake issues. So I'm like, all right, what, what is the issue guys? Or is it something really new? So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what shows up in a few races, especially out of the teams that are saying stuff like that, because I think Mercedes is going down that path too
2: it's crazy i was kind of laughing though before like when they were doing the drivers going around on the track and you know the whole thing before the race they interviewed lando and he was like i think the media was playing it up like we're worse off than we actually are (laughs) and i was like oh yikes yeah oh friend esteemed (laughs) colleague
1: although he's still qualified p11 which i think just goes to show how unbelievably talented he is as a driver because that car has No business being that high up.
0: And here's the thing. Quali, though, it's all about single lap pace. So they may have a really good single lap pace setup. Another good example of really good single lap is Ferrari, but not necessarily the best race pace. Mm -hmm. So they could have a really good model and a really good setup for single lap pace that gets them up there and gets them in places that they may not necessarily based on race pace have business being right but um then when you get to the race it's it's a little more clear what their real pace is but um they can there's there's a lot of teams that have good single pay single lap pace options and mm-hmm. setups and they're good at that
2: yeah definitely I think to one of the most we are we're gonna go from the worst to I i wanna say like I guess in our minds second best because they weren't the okay. Aston freaking Martin.
0: Yes,
2: what the heck is happening? Mm. <laughs> like, they made a, made a real things. car. Yes, they I, did. I, I've been waiting to talk to you because I have so many questions around these, like, gully side pod situation. Dark still. What what is happening there? Like, obviously, they're fast. They've made huge improvements from last year. Sebastian Vettel may be crying in a closet somewhere (laughs) right now. But are those, if, if people haven't seen them, they're, like, carved out side pods. They literally look like, the car part of the car is missing. Can you explain kind of what the heck that does for that car and what is that giving them this advantage? Or it seems to be happening.
0: So, I don't know if that's necessarily the key to their advantage, and rather their entire aero overhaul is really the advantage. But what we're talking about is I lovingly call them the void. There's like <laughs> some sort of like void that the side pods dip into, and I don't know if anybody has figured out what they are i thought that they were maybe feeding air because they ramped down like Mm -hmm. uh one of the like the red bull side pods and i thought maybe they were feeding a feature on the floor underneath the side pods that maybe there was something down there that they were feeding i still haven't been able to figure that out because then if you're feeding that downwashed clean air because typically you put a scoop out like that because you want to either protect or direct flow And I mean, you can do both, but that's kind of what they're there for. And so they're obviously trying to direct clean air and conditioned flow where they want it. I don't know what's down in the void. Um, It's very clear when you look at the car from behind, though, that they are trying to get as much air to the rear of the car as possible, which is to help improve the efficiency and downforce across the rear. Because I think you remember the couch wing from last year that looked like it had the arms on it. Yep. That was an effort to prevent air spillage off the wing and then reduce, and that reduces the efficiency of the wing. So they were losing all this rear downforce. And so that twist of the side pod in the direction of the air is as much conditioned air and clean flow to the rear so that that doesn't happen anymore. So they've kind of corrected the issue as part of this overhaul aerodynamically. I thought it was funny when they launched, everybody was like, it's the same car. And I'm like, are we watching the same launch? No, we're not. It's yeah. no. <laughs> Just no. I
1: mean,
2: color-wise, it's, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, same <laughs> sure. yeah. But like That's about it. Yeah, aerodynamic-wise, yeah. very different.
0: No, and I think a big key of that is Dan Fallows. Do you guys know who Dan Fallows is? This is a no. Dan Fallows stan household right here. So, Dan, uh-huh. if you're listening, hello.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: Dan is the technical director of Aston Martin but he was the head of Red Bull Aerodynamics from 2014. So the start of turbo hybrid until last year.
1: Okay. Basically. Ah.
0: So he's like who I think Adrian Newey reported to at uh. Bull, if, in terms of the hierarchy of people. He's a very, very prominent aerodynamicist. He joined Aston Martin. I'm going to try and do dates here correctly. Like April or May of 2022 last year, but there was a lawsuit. I don't know if you guys ever saw that lawsuit where Red Bull was suing him and going after him and Aston about his leave. I mean, they were trying I, to prevent
2: him. Can we have
1: Oh, well, Lawrence will just pay it off. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, oh my, no worries.
0: <laughs> so there's the gardening leave rule in F1 to help prevent information sharing. Right where if I want to leave like mid-season, there's like a six-month to 12-month leave that I'm required to take to prevent current information from being brought over to the team I go to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: His contract was supposed to go through the end of 2022, but his move was announced in 2021. So he was technically not seeing out his contract. And he argued that his gardening leave was six months from his date of, buy Red Bull, I want to leave. Red Bull said, no, it's six months from the end of your contract at the end of 2022. So you shouldn't be allowed to go to Aston Martin until 2023. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened really, but the lawsuit essentially let him go to Aston Martin starting in April of 2022. So he came on like halfway through the season and that would have been right in like the prime of 2023 car development. So this is a lot of work of Dan Fallow's. And his knowledge and his brain and his aerodynamic style, which we I don't think we've seen a lot of because he's been under the Red Bull arm for so long. Um, we know that those are very infamously Adrian Newey's design. So I think he's taking a lot of what he's learned working from Newey plus his personal style and combining it with this incredible staff that Aston Martin's put together. Because Aston Martin has a small army, basically, that they have hired yeah. in the last couple of years here in an effort to become competitive. So I think that this is a combination of a lot of things. The new void pod is probably part of it because the aerodynamic efficiency of this car just looks incredible. And in F1, it's important not necessarily to have the most powerful car because Ferrari actually technically has the most powerful power unit, but Red Bull is more aerodynamic efficient and they're better balanced. It's not just always pure power. It's, well, how many Monzas are there? How many Spas? How many Bakus? It's how many of these different types of tracks you go to and how balanced are you for them for all of that. Rather than right. just your power, because that's pure power can is great. But if my car is really draggy, it's going to be like a sail in the wind, you know, and just mm-hmm. I could be putting all this power and not getting anywhere.
2: And power. <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson is all about speed and power, you know, in the words of <laughs> to your point. Yeah, like, yeah, it's not everything. And yep. they seem to be good on both ends of this speed and power and aerodynamics. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Mercedes takes this because Aston Martin is Mercedes customer team. They take, they take their gearbox as far as I'm aware and also rear suspension. So the entire back end of that car is Mercedes essentially. And they use Mercedes wind tunnel because their wind tunnel is not up and running. So,
1: And they're beating Mercedes. I I imagine that doesn't feel very good.
0: I thought it was really, really funny to see Mercedes undercut a customer team to protect them from getting overcut by a customer. And I was like, what is this? Formula (laughs) E? I don't know if you guys are paying attention to Formula E, but the first race of the year, all of the customer teams outperformed the factory options for the powertrains. It was incredible. And they're still actually doing really good. Like, I think Porsche is the only factory team. That's like really up there. Nismo had a good race, but it's like all of the customer teams are beating factory and Formula E and it's crazy.
2: Just, it was amazing to see. I, obviously it's been super hyped. Like the Alonso hype train has been full oh, speed. Yeah. Past so week tested. has been, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, and Lance's hype train, not so much, but like I had, it kind of.
0: I'm on to- the Lance hype train.
2: Uh, okay. Well, I, I might be as well, because this pains me a little bit to say this. I mean, besides him completely shunting into the back of his own teammate at the beginning of this race. But, um, wow, like, honestly impressed with his ability to drive that car yeah. yesterday and today with apparently pins and a broken toe, apparently. That's yeah, awesome. two broken wrists and a broken toe. Yeah, so Lance Stroll, maybe you're more of a man than I ever thought you were.
1: He's, <laughs> he's definitely too. gets a bad rap just for being a rich guy's son, but I, I do think he's yeah. actually a pretty good driver and people just don't want to yeah, I mean, give go him look that credit his,
0: yeah go look at his ladder stats he actually has like pretty good mm-hmm. stats out of like development series and and whatnot so it's like part of me why i'm on that train it's like he just seems a little misunderstood being the son of a billionaire
1: yeah. yep yep exactly <laughs>
0: yeah also like props to that doctor um i think he went to one of the moto gp doctors and like to go from Snowboarding or not very bike accident. Snowboarding is an NASCAR driver that just got broke his leg. Go from a bike accident, surgery, and 14 days later be in a car I know. is super impressive.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah. I mean, bring him on staff. I don't, I don't know what you got to do. It's like, yeah, it's just... that's.
0: Oh my gosh, it's like I think the same doctor that did. I don't know if you guys follow gp but Mark Marquez's multiple arm and hand injuries, and he's done multiple other riders' injuries in their hands. Like, and and they're back on a bike in like two weeks, a week. That's just depends.
1: Are, for doctors, it's just a miserable thing to try and they're so intricate, small. Like, that's yeah, fix yeah. a hand is crazy, and then be back can't in imagine. however many days.
2: Yeah, it is impressive. Yeah. So, if it goes to where it's due. I mean, yeah, it also didn't have a bad. I mean, I feel like if he was at full health, he probably could have been right behind.
0: I think little so little. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
2: I, mean, finishing I think school. he would have
0: probably had a better quality than he did, and mm-hmm. I think what what he was I don't even know where he finished but he got points right to finish mm-hmm. how he did and to be as struggling as much as he was through the weekend I'm just so impressed with that like yeah. major yeah. props. Yep. so I think had he been a hundred percent who I would be watching out for both Astons at that point yep. I was just oh. gonna say and it's one thing that I think we know from all the teams that Alonzo has been on he knows how to set up a car and he knows mm-hmm. how to kind of say this is what we need and it it's a rising tide raises all ships with like a really good car setup driver and it's same thing in all series if you've got a driver that's phenomenal at setup work it's going to help your team as a whole so Mm -hmm. fernando is one of those drivers that's very good at setup work so yeah Yeah.
2: and i think something that's unique about fernando and they even said it like during the broadcast they said he's one of those drivers that drives with 20 percent of his brain and thinks with the rest like he's thinking one step ahead like Not even just for himself, for his other teammates, for his other like other drivers around him. Out here playing like 5D chess in the middle
0: of a race. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. It, yeah.
2: It's scary to watch and uh, it's exciting, but also scary. And I mean, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season holds for them. But yeah. I would say one. Team that's probably shaking in their little shiny expensive designer boots right now would be Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of alluded to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are your takes? I know they've gone with this very controversial SciPod, no SciPod situation. Half pod, the zero pod. SciPod, half. SciPod. Yeah. <laughs> sci-pod, not SciPod. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think is going on there? And what do you think they could do to help fix some of these issues they're seeing?
0: I think they're still struggling with some of the same open issues of last season where it's very lossy and very draggy without a side pod there to help with outwash control. Because if you notice the shape of the half pod, it's to help direct outwash and get air directed out and around. Mm -hmm. Um, Just literally why they probably added the 0.5 pod to help get the air pushed out and around so that they can use it and also not have the air that is turbulent and that causes the downforce loss of the previous gen cars destroy what they have going on around their car Mm
2: -hmm.
0: because the inherent design of this car is higher drag because of lack of side pods. And then the vertical inlet is actually a loss generator. It destroys the flow when it hits it. So they're trying, it creates an area of low pressure when that happens. And so it's already inherently a very aerodynamically lossy car. So they, and it was really difficult to set up too. Like that's, I I have to imagine just from an engineering standpoint that when they pursued this design for 2022, they saw whatever they saw in the models and saw whatever they saw in the wind tunnel. that Those gains, if they got it right, were so good that it made sense to do it. And now on track with correlations, they're kind of realizing that they got it wrong. And they're now trying to fix it with this half pod, which is it's a step in the right direction. And some of the other fixes that they've made on the car. But I don't think it is the silver bullet. I guess pun intended, this being the silver arrow. to The design <laughs> to solve all of their problems. It's still very draggy, still very hard to set up. It seems like um, they have really good tire degradation still. Like they are still so kind to their tires. I noticed this entire race weekend, which is great for them. But, in order to set the car up and push like they needed to, Toto said that the tire degradation gets really bad. So there's like a setup there, concession there with the setup that they would have to make. And if they wanted race pace, they have to set up the way that they set up. And it's not it's kinder on the tires, but they don't have as good as roof of race pace from the looks of it because of how lossy the car is. I think that we're going to see a totally new car at some point this season. I think that they've Toto's kind of said, I think they've realized we got it wrong. He had there was a really really interesting quote today that was like we're miserable, we got it wrong. Um yeah. so mm-hmm. I'll I can find it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this car show up with side pods. There was some stuff pointed out by Scarbs Tech that this car may be modular, that more modular than we anticipated with pieces being able to come off and swapped out for different Mm. Configurations of bodywork, and I think that that was intentional, knowing that they still may have gotten this wrong. I also pointed out that bodywork was riveted on, so that it looked like it could be swapped out. And so I think that they were running maybe a parallel path of, hey, just in case we realize we've got this wrong, we're going to pivot our entire development pipeline.
1: So that's so. crazy, because the car could look completely different if it is that changeable. They could just yep. adopt a similar side pod to Aston Martin and they look. Could. if they have that developed because obviously they can't steal you know it it has to be their own designs correct but still like if they've yeah, had- it would
0: have yeah. to be cost cap compliant, too, because we're in the era of cost cap. It would have yeah. to make sense with a whole yep. season development plan and what they're going to need in place for cost wise. How much have they already spent mm-hmm. towards this car, especially with uh, wind tunnel time and CFD time as well, because you're limited in that based yep. on where you finish the yep. constructors. So there's a lot of risk in doing that. But I, I think we're going to see a totally different car at some point this season. It's it's ingenious. It's teams finding ways to extract the best gains out of their cars and have the best opportunities for their cars. Yeah.
1: If you had to guess, how quickly do you think Mercedes will drastically change their car?
0: My threshold, my two thresholds are Baku and uh, Silverstone for like summer break, right gotcha. around. Those are kind of what I would say. And there's a lot of things that play into that. It's This is purely engineering brain mm-hmm. and, and vehicle development process brain here depends on how far along they are in the process where their models add many are they actually manufacturing things to go to scale are they like actually further along in pipeline where they could just go like that and it's it's a switch that they flip it's going to really depend on where they are in that development cycle or if they need to go back to the drawing board with the data they have it's likely that they have options available to them it's just going to be a matter of, of then production data collection um does it does it make sense to bring it here does it not with the type of track that it is to right. like introduce it at um are they going to be able to take it are they going to take a filming day and do it it's kind of just a there's a implementation timeline that they'll have to have considered mm-hmm. so and i mean formula one and racing is some of the fastest development and fan manufacturing labs in the world there's you can have an issue at a racetrack and have a part out to you same day from the shop flown over in certain series and i'm sure formula one is no difference. So if they were just like, hey, we want to do this, they probably could have had something changed and flown out that race weekend if they wanted, depending on what it is. I mean, carbon fiber is a little more difficult because there's cure times and mm-hmm. all that good mm-hmm. stuff, but certain things you could have flown right out during a race weekend.
2: Yeah. Now we've talked about this on this show and I've heard other people talking about it too. Obviously you mentioned this era of the cost cap. Basically probably. was
1: their success due to the extra $40 million
2: yes. they were spending yeah. every single yeah. year? Absolutely. Sorry. I I get what you're saying. I think
0: it obviously, it helps to have that extra money floating around because to be able to play and to be able to maybe build models, to be able to kind of make a scale wind tunnel run when my resources aren't limited is great. I can go do whatever I want to do and it'll help me get my gains. And that's part of why we saw such a field spread that we did. reining in the financial side and the analysis side, because I think that that's a very important component as well to this. It forces teams to not only triage and prioritize a lot better. So I don't necessarily think that it's a, um, we had all this money and now we're not good because we had all this money. I think it's forcing them to really prioritize and hone in on what their priorities are and what they want to do. And mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily have all the resources to be playing and scheming in the background with other things now in this era, it, it may look like they're not as good, but it's still the same team. It's still the same talent. It's still the same knowledge and they're still building great cars It's just that they now have to really focus and decide, well, if I want to do this, what does it come at the expense of? Is it really worth it to do this now? Is it going to be worth the gains? Because I could go spend, I'm just going to make up a hypothetical situation. I could go spend $5.5 million on an entire development and implementation cycle of, let's say, a new wing. And that new wing is only going to get me a half of a tenth. Is -hmm. it really worth it? You know, is is that five and a half million dollars really worth that marginal teeny tiny little gain? Or do I see a gain that I could go spend maybe five or six million and it gets me two tenths, you know, so there's some triaging. So then I don't spend all of that money on that wing and I work with the wing that I have because I'd rather target a much bigger gain that's more expensive. While it looks really lucrative, because I want the timesheet to be as quick as possible. I want my car to be the best on the timesheet. I now have to kind of pick and choose and have to really, really hone in on what I want to do.
2: Yeah. How I imagine it goes is Toto's like, sorry, guys, schnitzel cart's got to go. <laughs> 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 That's how I imagine it actually oh, no. goes now,
0: no! No more just- pumpernickel for him. No. Sorry, sorry, Toto, it's generic.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's- not straight from oscar but i think the man is so desperate at this point he's like attach himself to one of these vehicles if it would make it go faster just the way he's been talking i've never heard Toto wolf like speak like that
1: yeah yeah composure in the past couple of years
2: and i
0: think it's not a slight at mercedes power i think mercedes power given what we've seen with aston it's one of like it's up there in my opinion and I think it's just a, a design philosophy thing that they they saw something and went for it. They took a risk, and that's the the risk balancing and aversion and how much risk are you willing to take in racing? It's kind of always there. Um, and, and they went for it, and now they're kind of feeling the effects of taking that risk. I, I commend them for being a team that's willing to take a risk and not necessarily go the conventional route and, and try this. And I think now it's just they're feeling the effects
2: of it. One last team we got a highlight while we wrap this stuff up. Sorry. Um,
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We start, it just started, and I have to have these horrible. My
1: heart already breaks for Charles this season because this is probably going to continue.
0: Yeah. He looks so dejected.
2: Yeah, he really does. And, you know, we went from yesterday in qualifying. Them doing better, I think that they even expected they'd be doing. Checo was claiming they were sandbagging, um, and yeah. he was. You could generally see the surprise on Charles' face at how well they actually did. But then we saw him DNF with like 16 laps to go. Where, what do you think is going on there? Is it another case of the power unit just too much power and that it can't handle it? What's going on? And we know he had know. to have
1: it. Any, you know, oh, he cool. had to have the battery repaired before the race
0: yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They saw something between Quali and the race that caused them to swap the control electronics and battery preventatively. I almost said prematurely, preventatively, and send it back to Marinello. I think it's important, though, everybody to understand just because they pulled it and sent it back to Marinello, it is not dead. It is still in his pool. They sent it back for investigation. If there is something wrong with it, then yes, that is one of his two sets of that being gone from his pool. I almost just put the wrong finger down. Um, <laughs> like just force of habit. Um, and then if what went, went wrong with his car is maybe that same hardware and that is damaged, then yeah, he does. He's going to need another one at some point and we're already one race in. But that's one I want to see the post-mortem. I was listening to his onboards, and there was nothing that I heard from like a, I don't want to say like a trained ear, but you can hear it when stuff goes wrong or you can see it. There was nothing that suggested gearbox or like drive shaft or like a rod through a block or like a catastrophic engine failure mechanically. So that kind of, to me says it's either electronically or um, software, maybe Mm -hmm. something happened because a lot of that is controlled by wire or just the ECU, the brain of the car does all of the work. So that could mean it is maybe an ECU issue. I would kind of expect to see more because ECUs are standard. They're provided by McLaren Applied. We are a McLaren Applied Stan household as well. They are fantastic. They provide ECUs to every racing series in the world. So they do some really cool work. They also, I believe, do accident data recorders as well. But super cool company. Everybody uses them. It's standard. It has to be provided by the FIA with standard software loaded in it. So you can't play with that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's either in the ECU. So the brain of the car, or it's in those control electronics that were replaced that you were mentioning with the battery and the control units. I don't like them being called control units because it implies that they're actually controlling something. And I mean, there is hardware on there for them to control what they're doing, but the actual use of them, they're not controlling anything necess- necessarily. So they're electronic pieces, there's two of them plus the battery, there is the one for the mGUK and one for the mGUH, which are their hybrid power elements. And basically the main job of those is to convert the energy that the mGUK and mGUH generate and convert it into storable energy for the battery. And then when they're ready to deploy that energy, convert it back out into energy that the car can use. So it's basically like a glorified inverter. I don't know why they call it control electronics. I would oh. consider it an inverter um, in like my line of work. But it's, they're basically like the inverters for power. And so they saw something and changed him out. And that, that very well could be the problem, too, because if he just had a straight power loss, he could have lost whatever that was. And the MGUK helps turn the engine and we know an mgh failure can be terminal because it's tied to your turbo so it could be there but i think i want to see that post-mortem they'll probably be tight-lipped about it but the turbo was okay mechanically the (laughs) engine's fine (laughs) nobody panicked there i think ferrari power is showing good signs of speed but um it's a little like mm, i don't know it's a little little suspicious one race in to already be having problems i know Mm -hmm. They're still really struggling with tire degradation, though, too. Mm -hmm. That was something they struggled with last year. They were not their tires, where it's like we're seeing maybe some glimmers of hope in the strategy department. Like they they made some changes in the strategy department, seemed like maybe they were calling a pretty good strategy. (laughs) Yeah. And then Charles obviously had the failure, but then they were managing too much tire deg compared to the Mercedes. It's very kind on its tires. The Red Bull that has incredible tire deg and was a rocket ship. And then the Aston that's also very kind to its tires. Like I don't, that thing doesn't even eat its tires. Those tires looked so good at the yeah. end of their long runs. It was wild. Yeah. So I think they need to understand how to manage the deg as part of this too. Not yeah. necessarily reliability. I think Fred, was saying that they know that it's setup related and so they need to work in optimizing ways to help manage that. And then the reliability needs to be figured out because it's unacceptable. Um, Obviously, it's you don't want blowing up. It's not great for anybody.
2: Right. Um, And to your point there, we didn't see any of the other um, Ferrari power unit cars having any other... No nope. issues either so i want to put it past ferrari to be like some guy just didn't screw in the wiring correctly and it came a little loose and yeah it would not it, it would not, would not no i and, mean we heard-
1: charles's car right like that's just
0: <laughs> i i'm choosing to believe in the bahrain curse that that maybe that's a good thing that he dnf'd in this race even though i feel terrible that he did um, I mean, we heard you're talking about things being bolted on incorrectly. I think there were rumors out of the W-14 shakedown that there was a mount failure or something in the way that the car was assembled caused them to stop running their first day of Wait. filming day. And so, I mean, it's it's common. It, it happens. There's typically stuff in place to prevent that from happening. And it, it can still happen, though. Um, there's like process controls or, or vision. These are typically hand built, so it's all on like a builder. So you don't have a lot of the conventional controls that might be in place um in like large scale manufacturing with like cameras or different things that'll prevent something from not getting attached or plugged in or or whatever. I mean, pinched wires can happen too, and it's very yeah. easy to pinch a. They're called uh, like looms in racing because they're these big bundles of wires. It's really easy to pinch a loom, and then your wire chafe because as you're rattling around, you chafe through the wire. And there yeah. you go. There goes, and there could be things intertwined that once you lose a signal, whole car goes and shuts down. So there's different things that it could be. I don't, I'm not too panicked yet. I'm still like, one race, really, Ferrari. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I think seeing that Red Bull also made a change to air intake pipes for reliability concerns. Before this race started, I don't feel as terrible that there's somebody else out there having these issues of reliability concerns after one race. So,
2: Right. Yeah, that's true. That kind of flew under the radar. We did not know about that until you met with us.
0: Yeah, they swapped like for like so I think nobody freaked out as much because they're also an unrestricted quantity component. It's just reported in the park for May breach because there's a document that gets put out if you like Go to, if you follow the FIA document spot on Twitter, it'll tweet mm. it out when it goes live. Or if you just poke around on the FIA website, it goes live, I think, like, an hour before race start. Mm. All of the park for May breaks, if there are, or, like, curfew breaks, it's all reported. And mm. you're allowed to break park for May for certain things with, like, like for, like, swaps of components. Whereas, like, a whole new engine, that's where I take a grid penalty that's a park for May violation. But if I had, like, a damaged wing and I just have the same exact wing laying around, I can, like, for, like, put it on. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm-hmm. interesting It it's definitely not encouraging to see but I mean at least Carlos finished I mean oh. he finished in fourth so not too bad I think better than they were expecting obviously hoping both cars would cross the finish line um but you did mention tired deg that the Ferraris are struggling with that and I did notice toward the end of the race like he Carlos was saying over the the radio i'm not gonna be able to fight him Mm -hmm. my tires are gonna be gone and and i think this is just me not knowing 100 how that all works but like what is going on with the ferrari that is causing such high tire deg? for those of us who might not understand
0: and this is where like tires are voodoo to a lot of us
1: (laughs) straight (laughs) up
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's talking to blake like break he's -hmm. like N- nobody knows how to correlate the tires on a model. Like, we can mm-hmm. do our best in the sim, in the actual analyses. Like, nobody really knows the best way to correlate a tire and get a tire correlating. So, that's yeah. all on track running. And that's why on track testing is so important. And so, I think that that could be part of it is the yeah. design that they've chosen. And because this struggle to correlate across industries, so he's kind of like, you can figure out tires, I got a job for you. Like, it, in the analysis kind of thing, like, it's, <laughs> I was surprised to hear that. And so, I think it's part of maybe model correlations and they thought maybe they were moving in the right direction but I I even don't know like with that car high tire deck because it's going to be setup related it's going to be the amount of force that I'm enacting on the tire coupled with the air pressure of the tire that creates the rolling radius so how much is contacting the track versus my competitors what compounds am I running is my car heavier am I lighter because that's obviously more or interaction with the tire. There's a ton of things that go into it. It's um like I know it as there's like a, it's called road load calculations is like at its base what you use and it's like the load that's being enacted between that and then it's like you're on a really abrasive track to yeah. our end to really abrasive. Yep. So we're already on a really abrasive track. My car is probably heavier. I'm running a downforce setup that's probably higher. So that means I'm imparting more load on my tire. That car right. looked like it was running a little bit higher of down force this weekend. It was still medium downforce, but on the higher end, most likely. I mean, we don't know without truly knowing, and then we don't know their fuel loads, but high fuel load would contribute to that as well, which Mm -hmm. once you started to run through the race and you were still getting deg, it's at that point gonna be the downforce and the way that my suspension, my car, and the load is transferred across the car to the tire. And I know that's like a terrible non-answer, but the tires are voodoo and I still like, there's, we can guess what goes into it and we can guess what's
2: going on, but
0: there's not always a finite answer when it comes to tires.
2: Well, it makes me feel better that you're also like, I don't know, it could be. Yeah, the Ferrari's high dag
0: stumps me because you would think that with similar designs and similar features that are out there with characteristics of cars that we wouldn't have this problem. But here we are. A lot of the cars in the grid are just kind of 2022 Red Bull ripoffs in certain fields, in my opinion.
2: So Yeah, definitely. Well, any other teams you, you think like worth mentioning before we kind of close out this race? discussion
0: Um, i think we didn't mention alpine we talked about everybody else um esteban's out here collecting penalties like infinity stones
1: yeah right (laughs) and they're
0: they're a team that i i consider i still don't know what to make of them i think a lot of people in the tech community are saying they were underwhelming and could be in danger i still kind of don't know They didn't really show their hand in testing. They very clearly sandbagged in testing and were doing setup work, very extreme setup work and race simulations. Didn't touch a soft tire the entire time, which in hindsight might not have been a great idea because I think Pierre qualifying poorly may have been a consequence of that because they changed his setup between um, practice and quality from understeer to very oversteery. And so if they didn't have a good understanding of quality setups it could have hurt him, um and then esteban i don't think we saw any real indication because he was just penalized so much but pierre driving from p20 to p9 yeah. and they called they actually called a really good strategy too with some overcutting. um i think that there are signs that that car could be encouraging we know that they have a very full development pipeline but they're a car that i think i still don't know what to make of, and i think a lot of people are kind of just like writing them off so they're I think just one i'm I'm curious to see where they fall because with the way this field is shaking up, they could be they were maybe thinking fourth or fifth based on the way that things used to be. and maybe yeah. now they're they're further down the order than they yeah. they thought,
2: yeah, absolutely because they finished fourth last year, but this like like we talked about in the beginning, the midfield, it's so tight, like yes, <laughs> like they've got way more competition than before. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but I yeah, think it's great. Yeah, 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 I'm excited. I mean, but kudos to Pierre. Like, if if Alonso didn't win today, I feel like he would have gotten driver of the day. Yeah. Because, wow, like 20th to 9th, wow. incredible. Incredible. Yeah,
0: that's – I'm excited to see yours talking about the midfield tightening up. I'm really excited to see how now that we're in year two of regulation – this goes because year one everybody's still in the learning curve everybody's kind of got different designs we did see a tightening up of the midfield the midfield really did tighten up but then there was still this really big gap between the midfield and the rest of the like mm-hmm. top teams and so as we're seeing designs kind of naturally converge and a lot of people are like well the cars are going to look the same this is what happens in regulation, new exactly. regulation areas. We see design yep. convergent. We see design start to converge. Then they'll diverge again. Something will change or someone will find something and they'll diverge and they'll come back together and converge again. And we're in the second year. So everybody's still learning and they're working on improving their cars. Even the series is still learning. And I think we're seeing now maybe that gap close to the top. Yeah. T- I think R.A.N. was a really bad example because the field spread was not great. <laughs> but um, I think it'll be one I want to watch for the rest of the season to see how the field stacks up because we had a really tight quality with one second from P1 to P20 in Q1. Um, Even in Q3, it was really tight. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what this does to really kind of tighten that gap up because it's very clear the midfield has gotten incredibly competitive. I want to see that gap close between the top teams in the midfield now.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited too. And like we also know like some of these teams we expected to be in the mid- midfield that aren't are bringing upgrades. So they, they could also be playing in that area as well, which is insane to think. But it is exciting. First race, always exciting.
0: But I think just be ready and waiting for the first upgrades. Who's going to bring it? What's it going to be? What's it going to look like?
2: And how's it going to help them? I'm, I cannot wait yeah i know and i'm gonna be like consuming all of your content it's like, what did they do
1: <laughs> yeah what, what, explain this to me <laughs> what
2: does that look like? <laughs> on the end mean I, <laughs> like, I will do my best if
0: not i will direct you to somewhere that is explaining it seriously though we are so thankful for yes. you to
2: come on yeah. and like thanks for having me anytime give me yeah. a heads up i'll try my best to be there <laughs> well you're a lady in demand now so I, <laughs> I know i don't know what happened Stop being so popular, Jesus.